You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everyone, this is Jeff Ellis of the Locked On Indians podcast. You might have been tuning in and uh, you're either thinking, oh, it's not a preview, or you're thinking, oh, there's actually a podcast. Well, first off, the reason there aren't any previews occurring right now is basically, one, uh... Things are just ridiculously hectic. It's hard to get schedules together to figure things out. And the time it takes to have someone else on the podcast to work with the editing and all of that, uh, essentially any time anyone is on this podcast, it is tripling my workload. That's just the honest truth of it. And right now I'm trying to figure out exactly how things are going to go in life and with all of our current stuff. Um, so the, the crossover isn't happening because just time on one level and on level two it seems silly to do crossovers because we don't know when this season will start um i think smart money is end of may beginning of june uh we had a conference call uh where we kind of funny story there was a conference call but uh we got a bad link so a group of us uh just had a nice long chat um taylor and myself were in there uh jeff the of the the reds host um, Gabby, who's the Locked On Boston host, um, I feel like we kind of monopoli- monopolized it. I believe Sully was on there from Locked On Baseball, and in some respects, I wish we recorded it, because it would have been just an awesome uh, podcast for us all to share later. It was a lot of fun, but I mean, in that, I stated my thought that June is probably when we'll see baseball, and we'll see if that occurs or not, but the problem with doing a preview now for a season we don't know when it's going to start, and if it's going to start in June, like... All of a sudden, Clevenger and Carrasco might not miss any time. I mean, that's a huge change for the Indians, and that's a massive uh, improvement for them. It'd be like if Lindor hadn't missed any time a year ago. Uh, all of those games, the Indians are in a situation where they're going to get a chance to get healthy. It's it's going to be an odd season. I mean, everything's odd right now as we deal with this current pandemic. Um, I, I don't even know when I'm going to teach her how. Uh, I'm supposed to go to a... Uh, a thing tomorrow where we're all going to sit back and talk about it but I can't go to a thing tomorrow because my daughter has had a 100 plus fever all week and even though it's not coronavirus people are like stay home you know that's just the way of things right now so a it's a lot of time and unfortunately the time for me to schedule something like that isn't high we will get to those previews eventually and b preview just seems very silly at this point maybe you disagree with me maybe it's going to be the same but we'll see what occurs and what changes but when you have this extra time uh for a lot of teams it means getting healthier which is a pretty big deal for teams like the indians and yankees who had you know significant parts of the rotations on the disabled list the other part of it honestly is you look at the twins yes this allows them to get closer to rich hill being ready but someone like uh, for the Yankees and for the Twins, it's like with the Twins with Pineda and the Yankees with German, their suspensions are going to start later. If this is a shorter season, then they're going to have less access to those players. Baseball saying they're not going to cancel any games if the season could push into October. Really? We're going to have a World Series in December and a cold weather climate, maybe? And then can you imagine if your team makes the World Series and they're like, well, we can't have them play there. It's too cold. Like this is going to set up a headache. It is best to shorten the season. Like, I think we can all agree, but because of TV contracts, that may not happen. We might have like neutral party world series site. It's, it's going to be odd. Uh, There's no other way to put it. Everything is odd right now, but, uh, for the Indians, I think it helps. I think for the, you know, the Yankees, 
it comes down to Paxton versus German and getting Paxton back healthy is a bigger improvement than having less of a percentage of the season with German if it ends up being a shorter season. Um, we'll have to wait and see. So that's what I wanted to kind of explain at the start of the show. Just kind of go into, we're going to spend more time, you know, digging into the history of the Indians. I'll have some more like this day, this week in history. I'm going to spend some more time. We might go through every single draft the Indians have ever done and talk about it. Um, I find those fascinating. Uh, remember to hit me up. I really now need with this uh, listener mail. So please hit me up uh, on Twitter, on Facebook. You know, on Twitter, it's at Jeff MLB Draft. On Facebook, you can find a Jeff Ellis MLB writer. I'm pretty sure there's only one of me. Uh, but yeah, a, a weekly mailbag show would be a big help just in terms of how we're going to do this in the uh, until we know more about baseball. There's not, I mean, the only sport where things are occurring is football right now. There are trades and signings and re-signings occurring. So, but uh, basketball is just kind of waiting. Hockey is waiting, and baseball is waiting. Um, we'll have to see. Baseball, like football, though, could conceivably have trades occur. The other two are past their deadlines, but I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen. But uh, without you know spending too much time fixating on the unknown uh on the second half of the show today we're finally going to get into the final position amongst hitters on the all-time indians we're going to talk about second base uh that should take us the majority of the show today uh we'll go through this all-time series and probably finish it up this week well we'll also start looking at the you know the week in history the day in history um we're going to get to have some fun with the show as we figure out how to make it work right now when there's just not a lot occurring and unlikely to be a ton occurring, but I still want to be there for people. still want to be something that people can look forward to, take some time with, and just kind of kick back and relax. Give me ideas. You know, I'm I'm considering uh, doing an OOTP league. For those who are not familiar, it's Out of the Park Developments with uh, a bunch of writers slash sports people I know and redoing the 2017 season since the Astros tainted it. I'm also considering, on the other side of things, getting I, the first simulation game I ever played was Baseball Mogul, and I, f- I feel like uh, a certain loyalty to them because that's where I started when I started doing Sims uh, in the early 2000s, and I will be honest, the first time I got that game, I even discovered that game was um, pirated, and I think at least two of the other years I got it were pirated, but I bought it many, many times since then, and I have talked about how much I enjoy that product. So instead of doing an OOTP 2019 league, um, I might do a Baseball Mogul 2019 league to go with what's occurring, just straight simulation, not allowing uh, trades and the like, and we can see how that turns out. And then I might be doing a simulation league uh, for 2017 using another piece of software but no matter what we're going to find some fun ways some interesting ways to go about this season i want to remind everyone to uh to check out the uh locked on baseball with sully who i talked about earlier on the show you know it's a great show one of our best in the network when it comes to baseball we have a sponsor this week that is very important so remember if you love this show you have to love our sponsors and withings is our sponsor today do you hate stepping on the scale? Maybe it's because you haven't met the right one. A company called Withings produced the world's first smart scale, and they are still the best. In fact, Tom's Guide rated Withings Body Plus the best overall smart scale 
in 2020. If you're looking to lose weight, willpower is the key, but it's always having the right tools. Withings smart scales are known for durability and exceptional user-friendly design. Step on data from every weigh-in syncs automatically to the free app for iOS and Android via Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. Lots of smart scales don't have the Wi-Fi option, and it means you need to have your phone on you, but with Withings Body Plus gives weight, full body composition, weight trend, even a local weather report. The scale can support up to eight users and even know who is who. So who, here's the deal. You can get 25% off a Withings Body Plus right now at withings.com for a very limited time. Go to withings.com, W-I-T-H-I-N-G-S.com slash MLB to get 25% off the Body Plus body composition scale that's w-i-t-h-i-n-g-s dot com backslash or slash i should say mlb to get 25 percent off body plus body composition scale we love withings because they're a uh, sponsor for us but i'll be honest when i read the ad copy the first time i was like oh it's an interesting scale i could use a scale I, i'm kind of tired of you know the old little bar that shoots back and forth i'm like how accurate is that scale really in terms of uh, allowing me to tell if I am gaining or losing weight? But enough about scales, even cool ones. Let's talk about all-time Indian second base. Uh, there are five guys for this, but there's so many guys that are interesting. How about Jerry Kindle? Do you remember Jerry Kindle? He played in the 60s and has a negative career war of three. That's right. His negative value is three over 742 games. But when you look at the Indians all-time... Uh, he's up there, uh, not up there, I should say, but he made a list for his defensive value to the Indians for a season. So negative career war, war, but uh, yeah, made it uh, purely for his defensive chops at one point in time. Uh, another Jack Brohammer, Brohammer, uh, 34th round pick, pretty good for a 34th round pick. Uh, you might remember him if uh, you were watching in the 70s and even in 1980. He was a second baseman who light hit uh, solid defense. And that's, again, where I pulled him out for his defensive value when I was looking at all-time Indians. Uh, going down that list was kind of funny just looking at the defensive war. Not because, you know, Broheimer's 44th all-time in defensive war. And I'm trying to remember where Kindle was. It, he's up here somewhere. Higher than I would have expected. Let me do a control this is the problem. I have to be 38th all time for Kindle. Uh, I thought it was funny going through that list. Tied for 47th all time, Alvaro Espinosa. Now, I don't know what position we would count him as. Uh, he was just utility backup. But he is still top 50 all time in defensive war for the Indians. Uh, he would go along with one of the top five guys on the list and eventually be traded for Jeff Kent, uh, who the Indians then flipped for Matt Williams who the Indians then flipped for Travis Fryman. So it kind of an interesting chain where, like, I mean, you go through that. Kent was there for half a year. Matt Williams was there for one year. It was a, a lot of quick changes as it goes with the Indians. Um, okay, so that's, you know, we have a top five for sure. Uh, some other guys fun to talk about. How about uh, Ray Mack, who played for the Indians in from 38 through 46, didn't play in 45 due to military service, one-time all-star, again, mostly defensive value guy, uh, but he was born in Cleveland, a Cleveland guy, went to John Adams High School in Cleveland, went to the Case Institute of Applied Sciences, one of two major leaguers from the Case Institute of Applied Sciences. I mean, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure that means that he is 
he went to Case Western Reserve, right? Like that's that has to be the Cleveland kid who went to Case Western Reserve. Bray Mack played with the Yankees and the Cubs as well. The only other guy who went to Case Institute of Applied Sciences and wanted to be a baseball player, Dick Braggins, which I mean that's that's an eighty grade name, let's be honest, who appeared in four games, fourteen plate appearances, thirteen at bats. Uh, he did get two hits in that time. But uh, Mac had a seven, almost eight hundred game career. Uh, stood out for that. If you're curious about John Adams High School, it produced uh, three future baseball players. Uh, Alberto Hodis, who doesn't look like he actually has any, uh, he, you know, because does they only have pitching? He's listed here, so I assume he was a, a pitcher. No, he was just a minor leaguer, never got to the majors. But hey, he still gets listed. And then Rimp Lanier, like just great names that uh, Ray Mack had following him. Rimp Lanier, uh, got to six games in the majors, never recorded a hit in five plate appearances. So yeah, local kid went to Cleveland, you know, local Cleveland kid who went to case, uh, is up there for his defensive value, uh, with the Cleveland Indians when we're looking at, at that type of stuff. Other players of note before we, a, a personal favorite of mine, just because of my age and everything else has been Ronnie Belliard. I always thought he was super underrated in his time in Cleveland, um, came in 2004. He was an all-star, a 106 OPS plus, a 107 OPS plus, uh, struggled in 2006. Then actually went out to Washington and had two really good years and then, uh, had a good combo year in 2009. 2010 was a disaster and that was the end of his career. You know, no, I remember him playing like a deep, deep second base. Um, first year he didn't have a ton of defensive war value but his offensive value was pretty high and the next year the defense was there so really just two years but those two years were quite good for Belliard uh in Cleveland and like I said a, a personal favorite just for myself as we're going through other players who made the top 50 all time Woody Held played some short played some outfield played some second uh total value of nearly 22 wins uh played a lot of different places with uh, the Yankees, then to Kansas City, ended up in Cleveland for his prime, and that was really his best run, but played with uh, seven different organizations. Seven years in Cleveland was interesting. Like, uh, got MVP votes in 57, even though he, I mean, that's, uh, I mean, uh, 116 OPS plus, like he had offensive value, obviously, but a low average guy. Uh, hit for some home runs, but only played in 94 games in 57. So, or 93 games in 57. So, not even a ton of games. Uh, never played in a ton of games. You get down to it. Like, I see the highest he ever had was 146. So, you just like, oh, was there health issues? But some good power production for, especially, you know, in the 50s and 60s, someone who had 29 home runs in one season. Uh, OPS pluses were always closer to 110 in his time in Cleveland. Uh, an offensive producer up the middle at five foot ten. Interesting guy. When you just look at the numbers, you consider the era, consider his size and his power production. Not exactly what you would have expected um, from him. And though Held played a, a few different positions in Cleveland, he actually was the career leader in home runs for a shortstop until Johnny Peralta passed him. Now he's might be most known to people out there for uh, how the Indians acquired him. Should we put it that way? Uh, when he, he came over uh, with Vic Power and the Indians sent out Roger Maris, uh, Dick Tomanek, and Preston Ward, 
Vic Power is one of those names who just keeps coming up um, as I go through and look at things. He was in Cleveland. He had, you know, 59 and 60 were very strong years for him uh, for what he could do. Uh, You know, very strong in the regards that he was an all-star, but not those top offensive years he had had early with Kansas City. Now for the Indians, you know, Roger Maris had been a rookie with them, 105 OPS in 57. In 58, he struggled. Um, He would go to Kansas City and then eventually to the Yankees where he'd win back-to-back MVP awards. Uh, So that's, you know, unfortunate. Dick Tomanek was a local guy who never really... uh, turned into much and Preston Ward didn't turn into a whole lot either but it still hurts when you trade away um, Roger Maris there's just no good way to really get around that so uh, even if you get Woody Held who was quite a good player for them for a lot of years uh, Odell Hale another one of those top 50 guys on the list played with the Indians from 33 to 40 and was a up the middle player and a solid offensive producer and then that kind of gets us now to the the debate core. Like I think there's a really clear top two. We got our two at the top for this, and then after you, I think even top three really. Um, and then it comes down to four guys for the last two spots. And I think really, if I'm being fair, it's a top four, and then it's like who gets that final spot um, in terms of career value. We're just looking at who brought the most pure value to the Cleveland Indians. It is interesting. There's only two uh, second basemen in the top 20 for the Cleveland Indians in terms of career war. It is a bit of a drop down before you get to number three on the board. Um, Not till 33. 39 is number five, but the guy who's at 39 uh, is a Hall of Famer. So I think there's some balancing there. Um, So that gives, and then it becomes this debate really between two guys. So, Let's go through and do kind of our first cut, as it were. And that would be Julio Franco. Um, You know, the man whose career would not end, 23-year career. uh, Cleveland, second in the Rookie of the Year in 83. Uh, He was finally starting to kind of get it together. He was 29 when uh, his final year in Cleveland. He had won the Silver Slugger. Uh, He was... uh, had. At that point, you know, a 300 batting average, he was still more of a shortstop, as I want to recall as a child. Um, let's see, in 86, 87. Nope, in 88 and 89 is when he made that switch to second. So that's part of the other reason I'm not kind of quite ready to slide him in. You know, he would come back around as a DH, and the the numbers are just... Uh, the fact that he could, you know, at age 48, was still getting at-bats in the majors is... Is kind of crazy. Now, he really was not effective in 2007 or 2006. Like, really ineffective. But at age 46, he still had a 107 OPS plus, uh, 275 hitter. At age 45 and 361 at-bats, he hit over 300 with a 111 OPS. Uh, the, the home runs were never there, but the doubles were. A lot of big double seasons for him. Uh, just a fascinating player all around uh, when you when you get right down to it. Uh, eventually, I mean, that's it's one of those trades that as a child was always brought up. It's just bad trades the Cleveland Indians made. Getting Jerry Brown, Otto B. McDowell, and Pete O'Brien. He wouldn't even hit free agency until 1993, I believe. With Texas, he won a batting title. Am I wrong there? I feel like he was 
uh, yeah, in 91, he hit 341. Ugh, that was three years in a row as an all-star. Jerry Brown was a, a solid second baseman, the second baseman of my youth. Um, that's where I remember him, the governor, right? Something along those lines. Uh, 89, 88, 89, 90, and 91. Uh, some good years, some not-so-good years. But he was there. Uh, Udebe played, what, half a season before they flipped him away. That didn't work out. And you, at the time, we knew what he was, that he was not going to be um, anything special. He had been a, you know, an average-ish to below-average player. And then Pete O'Brien, uh, yeah, he had been a better player in his prime, but at this point he's already 31. I mean, it's one of those I'd have to go and look at the articles of the time. But I'd be very curious to look and see, like, what was the rationale? I mean, Franco wasn't close to free agency. Jerry Brown was an interesting prospect, but you also knew what he was. Um, yeah, I mean, they, the Indians... He, and then, I mean, O'Brien was there for one year in Cleveland, and it was a good year. It wasn't great, but for a catcher, a 105 OPS+, plus, uh, 260, 356, 372, 727 uh, OPS, like, that's totally fine, but he was... Uh, a free agent after that year and he left so it's it's like he's a free agent to be Jerry Brown is um, alright Odeby McDowell is, is not a, a good starter so what's the appeal it's okay so Jerry Brown's final year was a partial year in Texas and it was really bad in 73 games 229, 308, 304 and his one complete season was a 271, 358 339, 698. So those were not good years. Actually, you could argue he came to Cleveland and, and thrived compared to what happened in Texas. Uh, 114 OPS plus, 105 OPS uh, plus, and then it fell apart at age 25. 56 OPS. Uh, went to Oakland and had a really good year at age 26. And then age 27 was a struggle. Age 28 was another good year. Age 29 was a struggle. Um, kind of entered that even odd thing there. But that's just one of those deals that really at no level made sense for the Cleveland Indians. So for our final cut, and we'll end the show with this, and we'll begin tomorrow's show with the, uh, we'll do the top five second baseman. And, and it comes down to two guys. Because uh, I think the top four, we pretty much know what we have there. You know, there's the top three players by war. There's the Hall of Famer who spent the the end of his career in Cleveland, four seasons. But uh, there were four really strong seasons. So it comes down to Roberto Alomar, who was in Cleveland for three years, or Carlos Baerga, who, when you look at it, had the you know the most games. And what's interesting is while he had the most games, his value just wasn't there because partially he was a not a good defender that always brought him down, and his offensive production uh, through the charts in for two years, and then three years of steady production. And then he just fell apart in his final year, which is why the Indians traded him at one of his peak years, even though I believe he was under a pretty team-friendly contract. He's one of those guys, I remember, that they locked up pretty early on back when they were able to do such things effectively. Which player do we cut? Well, tune in tomorrow to hear, essentially, we're taking the top five, going to make a top six and talk about all of them tomorrow. Um, The discussion on the first player 
took me uh, almost seven minutes as we go into all the things that happened before and after. So tune in tomorrow to hear more about uh, Roberto Alomar, Carlos Baerga, Jason Kipnis, uh, and a player who is the Indians' all-time leader in war amongst hitters. So it should be a fun show uh, for historians and for recent Tribe fans. You have been awesome. I have been Jeff Ellis. This has been Locked On Indians. And as always, go Tribe.